Okay, I have, to, I have to do a couple of things before I preach this message, so stop the clock. Stop that clock. I'm watching. It's not stopping. Stop the clock. Okay, I'm just going to ignore it. Y'all tell me I do that anyway. Okay, so a couple of things. First, Brian, will you stand up up here in the drum cage? Okay, Brian was not scheduled to play drums today. The drummer who was here for the first service got violently ill, and Brian randomly picks up the drumsticks and plays drums during the service. I mean, is that faithfulness? Okay, because I told Brian, I said, Brian, you needed to sit back down. Brian, now you can go. Okay, but that's not the only thing. I just want you to understand faithfulness. Somebody else had to call out. I don't know if it was a family issue or whatever. So Franklin, Franklin, stand up back in the sound booth. Stand up. Franklin was supposed to be up here playing lead guitar. Franklin, kid you not, they plugged him in from back there. He's running sound and playing lead guitar. If you are wondering where's the guitar coming from, there's no guitar, there's no lead guitar player. He's playing in the sound booth while he's running sound. That takes me back to the early days of the church where Pastor Troy was leading worship and then he would have to run back, adjust the sound, come back up. You do what you gotta do to make church happen, right? Okay, all right, now you can start, I'm ready. First thing I want to do is just welcome everybody that is joining us, not just in the room, but online. We have the Netherlands. We have Illinois, Georgia, Arkansas, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Florida, Hawaii, Nevada, Indiana, and Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We are in a series on the book of Revelation, but it's called Seven. Everybody say Seven. So it is about the seven letters that went to the seven churches. Um, I do, before I start this, I do need to give a shout out to all my ladies. Where are my ladies? Make sure that you are here on Friday night for Kaylee McEnany. She is going to blow the roof off of this place. She was the former White House press secretary. She is going to be here on Friday talking about her book and what God taught her how to be a generation of Esthers. So we want to make sure that we come and we listen and we hear that message. And not just because we have a guest speaker coming in, but because there's something in this house and on this house that the Spirit of God wants to do, and I don't want our ladies missing that. So make sure that you get signed up. We've already started building the set. Can you see that? It's looking nice, isn't it? We've already started, and we aren't done. All right, back to Revelation. We started this series last week, and this this series is about the letters that were sent to the seven churches. Now, the letters were penned by John when he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Uh, and he was sent there because he wouldn't stop preaching the gospel. So they got rid of him. And even when they sent him to Patmos, he was still preaching the gospel. Because when the gospel is inside of you, nobody can tell you not to share it. Right? Right? 
So here he is writing these letters to the seven churches, but it's because of a vision that Jesus himself had given him. And I just want to make clear, a lot of times when we teach out of the book of Revelation, people get really uncomfortable and really nervous and very fearful. What I want you to know is that when we're speaking today about these seven letters that Jesus sent the churches, Jesus was basically giving them a report card. He's letting the ones know that it compromised to stop. And he's letting them know that if they hadn't compromised, that they would be tempted to compromise. So what I want to do today is I begin to, to share this particular letter. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the church in Smyrna which was the persecuted church. It was the second letter that John sent. Uh, as we begin to talk about that today, the temptation could be to get into fear because of things that are coming, because of persecution that is coming. And what I want you to understand is that in Revelation chapter 20, we know the end of the book. We know what the Bible says for us as believers. So the idea is not for us to be afraid and concerned, but the reason that these seven letters went out is for preparation's sake. There is nothing for us to fear as believers, but we do need to be prepared for what is coming, and that's what these letters were all about. So the second letter was sent to Smyrna. And it was a letter to the persecuted church. Now, the order of the letters is not significant. It wasn't like, you know, this one was sent first for a reason, and this one was sent number six, and this one was number seven. It actually followed the ancient uh, mail route, and it started in Ephesus, and then came to Smyrna, and went all the way around and made a large circle. It was just following the mail route. But what I want you to understand is this church was a healthy church. It's one of only two letters that Jesus sent where he wasn't correcting them. But even though this was a healthy church, this was very much an oppressed church. They were being attacked, they were being ridiculed, and they were being persecuted. And as we begin to talk about that today, uh, it's actually the only city that is still in existence of the seven that received the letters. Smyrna is still in existence, but today it's uh, called Izmir, and all of the cities are in Turkey. So that city is still present today, Izmir, Turkey. All of these seven letters were sent to areas that were now what we would call Turkey. The thing that's important about these letters is even though John is penning them, they are directly from the mouth of Jesus himself. Because Jesus knows these churches in great detail, and he wants them to know what he sees. Because sometimes the things that we see are not exactly the same things that God sees. So what he's doing is he's given a little checkup. He's given a report card, letting them know what he sees. And I love the fact that these letters are not condemning, but they are convicting. And so as we look at this second letter today, what I want us to do is I don't want us to feel condemnation, 
But I do want us to feel convicted if we need to be convicted about something in our life. That was the point of the letters. Because conviction brings about movement, which brings about change. Condemnation brings guilt and shame, and it makes us retreat. So as we go through this letter today, I want us to see the areas of our life where maybe if Jesus wrote a letter to us, would it look different than the letter that Smyrna got? So we're going to read uh, three out of the four verses that were given to the church in Smyrna. It says, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write. Now, the angel, that word angel translates the messenger because this letter is being given to the messenger, the overseer of the church. It said, these things says the first and the last. Who is the first and the last? You guys got it. The last crowd, I think, thought I was tricking them. They sat there. And I'm like, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, does that help you? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the first and the last, this is from Jesus, who was dead and came to life. He said, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews. They say they know God and are not but they are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Somebody say tested. tested. And you will have tribulation for how many days? Ten, Ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, let's break down a few things about these verses. We know that after Jesus talks about the crown of life, he says, to those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Some significant things in these verses. The first is Jesus saying, I see your victories. I notice I know your works. And coincidentally, if you've read Psalm 94.11, I also know your thoughts. It's pretty uh, sobering to think that Jesus even knows our thoughts. The one that we know shouldn't come out of our mouth, Jesus knows them. And he lets them know, I care and I am watching. I am not distant. Then he says, I see the persecution and it's going to increase. I see what you are going through. I see that you picked poverty over compromise. We'll talk about that in depth in a minute. In other words, he's saying you are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. He's saying you have true riches. Coincidentally, the church in Laodicea, he says the opposite too. You have all the earthly possessions, but you are very poor. I would much rather be the church in Smyrna than the church in Laodicea. What we have to understand is that persecution as a Christian comes with the territory. Persecution actually allow our faith to become radicalized. Persecution, many of us 
look at persecution as a bad thing, but all persecution is is a revealer. It shows us how well we passed the test and how well we are passing the test. We're in the middle of it. Jesus is also saying, hey, I know there are pretenders among you that are saying they love God, but they do not know me. They don't know me at all. They're a synagogue of Satan. But I know that you guys truly know me, even despite your situation and your circumstances that you were going through. Then he says something to them, which is something I would say to you today. You don't need to be afraid. With the warnings, he also brings this exhortation. Because they understood, Jesus said, hey, many of you, you're going to be thrown into prison for 10 days. But even unto death, you need to be faithful. Because they understood a Roman prison. If you got thrown in a Roman prison, you weren't coming out. They understood the culture and what was happening. And Jesus said, even to death, you are not to fear. You see, we love Daniel in the lion's den where God intervenes and he shuts the mouth of the lion. We love when we see Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and Jesus is there in the midst of the fire and they aren't burned. But we so much don't ask to be like Stephen where we're stoned and we're martyred off. But here's the thing that I want us to understand today, and I think it's extremely important for a church, an American church, that can sometimes want to adopt an American gospel. Did you know the gospel isn't the gospel if it only works in one country? So we've got to understand that this American gospel is not the gospel. What do I mean by that? A faith that is dependent on desired outcomes isn't really faith at all. And we've gotten so busy in our culture to name it and claim it on the head and not the tail that we don't understand that there really is a righteous persecution. There really is a suffering for Jesus. But as Americans, that is so beyond most of us because most of us have not been in other countries where we have seen the extreme suffering. We haven't had to have a front row seat to what a lot of the world is dealing with. But the gospel is not just some American gospel. And Jesus is letting them know, listen, things are coming. Don't be afraid. I want the American church to hear things are coming. The way things have been in the past where it seemed like America wasn't touched by a lot of things, that is fading away. And I want you to know that the church will become more and more persecuted And we're going to have to understand how we stand in the midst of that. Because so many of us, we're like, no, no, no. I'm an overcomer. The Bible says I'm an overcomer. God's not just talking about this life. He's talking about a here and after. And that's what he was trying to explain to them. Don't think about just here and now. Understand the last thing he said 
You are an overcomer, but it's because you have the crown of life. What is so significant about Jesus talking about the crown of life to this group? Well, they were well known for their Olympic style sports. And they would receive, if they won, the victor's crown. Now, they're not like our society today where they're second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth place, where everybody gets the ribbon. There was first place and that was it. As a matter of fact, my husband played in a golf tournament yesterday and he called me and he said, man, babe, there was like 50 teams or something in this golf tournament. And he's like, man, babe, we didn't win. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was a little nervous and I probably shouldn't have, but I asked, I was like, what place did you come in? Don't know why I asked, but he's like, oh man, we came in second. I was like, babe, you came in second in a group of 50 teams. He's like, that's just the first place loser. (laughs) See, you have to understand, when there is a culture that understands there's an end game in mind, they don't settle for second best. We want the victor's crown. We want God to say we are faithful, that we overcame despite any persecution. And this group of people knew that because of all the sporting events that were held in the city. They could equate to the victor's crown. Every other competitor was considered defeated. Second to 50, they were considered defeated. There was only one winner. And what God is saying is he's saying the call of a disciple is not to avoid persecution, but to overcome persecution. It doesn't mean the circumstances end up in your favor. It means that you learn how to have resilience and overcome situations when they come your way. That's what he's trying to let them know. It's not just for some radical sect of people that we need to be, you know, a faithful disciple. It's for all of us. Our DNA as Christianity, we should know how to be overcomers and walk over trials and through trials and not to be set back in them. So many people can quote the Bible and what the Bible has to say, but they don't know how to practically walk it out because I listen to them. When they literally have to practically walk it out, when they have to pray for healing for somebody or when they're going through pain and they don't know how to handle it, I'm like, the scriptures weren't just good to read. They're applicable. And we know how to read them but we don't always know how to apply them. And when that time comes, our true nature gets shown. Our real DNA comes. It's in the squeezing that whatever is in us actually comes out. I watch people when they go through a trial and I listen to what comes out of their mouth. Now, When we are going through trials and things are coming out that aren't good, what God is saying is he's not wanting us to feel condemned, but he's wanting us to get a true picture of where we really are. 
Because the mountaintop will not show you. It's the valley that shows you. And these Christians were being persecuted. Persecution and tribulation are meant to strengthen our faith, not to destroy it. And Smyrna, on all accounts, was the most prosperous. The second would only be Ephesus. Smyrna was the most prosperous of all of the seven cities that got those letters. They were known for their school of medicine. They were known for their science, their athletic prowess, their art, their theater, their music, their extreme wealth. But none of the Christians in Smyrna were participating in any of that. Completely goes against the American gospel. Why in the world were none of the church of Smyrna, the Christians, experiencing any of that? Well, because what happened, the government instituted rules. I want you to listen very carefully to this. Because these seven letters that went to these seven churches are not just for a year gone by. They are relevant to us today, the church in the end times. So what happened is the government put in rules that let them know, everyone know, these are the rules you abide by if you want to participate in commerce. You have to burn incense in front of the emperor's statue. It's a requirement. If you do not burn incense and honor and worship the emperor's statue, and if you do not bow down and worship Caesar, you will not be able to buy goods. You will not be able to sell goods. We will not even allow you to trade goods. And we will not allow you to even have a job. In other words, if you do not comply, all of the wealth and everything that we have here, you are going to get shut out from. What would you do if you lived in Smyrna? I'm letting the quiet sit for a minute. Because we live in the United States of America and we endure light persecution and many of us would have been burning incense. And you know what we would have said? Because this is what I hear Christians say all the time. Listen, listen. I don't agree with it. I'm just doing it. I'm just, I'm just virtue signaling just so I can continue to get what I need. I don't agree with it. And in my heart, I'm not worshiping the emperor. Listen, I'm just posting the black square. I really don't believe all the stuff, but I'm just posting it because I don't want people to get mad at me. I'm just posting the gay pride flag. Listen, I don't subscribe to that. You know, it's not who I am, but I'm just posting it so people don't get upset. 
but I, it's not really what I believe. And, and listen, listen, I don't believe abortion's okay, but, but I'm not the sin police. I'm not going to get involved. Even though there's mass murder happening, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I don't want to rock the boat. If those are you, you would not have survived Smyrna. If we can't handle light, and I mean your family member getting upset with you because you, you know, you posted about an election or a family member getting upset because you should have marched with us or a family member getting upset because shouldn't you agree with a woman's right to choose? If you can't stand now, my, 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 please, please don't tell me you're going to stand when the persecution ratchets up. These people couldn't buy, sell, trade, or have a job. What I want us to see is over the last few years, we were tested. What will it take? How much can I put on you before you break? How much can I put on you before you comply? Now listen, I am not gonna debate whether you should or shouldn't get the vaccination. That is between you, God, and your doctor. But what I will tell you is if you got the vaccination because somebody forced you to, because you would lose your job, because you wouldn't be able to get into school, for whatever reason, you can't come in here. You know, you got to have this vaccine passport if you're going to go to a restaurant. If you did it for that, I want you to know you wouldn't pass the Smyrna test. I have a 29-year-old girl right now that was forced, and she's young. She's like, I, I, I made this huge mistake. She's 29 years old. And because she was in the medical industry, she did not want the vaccination, which was her right as an American citizen to say, I don't want that. It was her right. She got the vaccination because her job forced her to her. She'd be fired from the hospital. She is now a 29-year-old with heart problems that she never had before. We've got to understand that if we don't have a peace about something, we don't do it. The government, my employer, the military. If God has not given you a peace, you don't do it. And what I'm watching happen, and again, this isn't a vax versus anti-vax. I'm just saying you should not be forced and if you did it simply because you wanted to keep your job, I want you to know that's not where God wants us to be. We've got to be willing to stand up because here's the thing. If the entire military quit, they would have changed the rule. If all of Atrium and Novant quit, they would have backed up. They would have backed up. But what happened is we allowed the government to control us 
while rich elitists had 40-some billion dollars put in their pocket. You're not going to make me take something that there is no history that I can look at it and decide. I mean, even stocks have a prospectus that we can look at it and see how they've performed. You're going to make me take something and then tell me there's no recourse for it if something goes wrong? Uh Uh-uh. We have to be smarter than that. We have to say, okay, if we've prayed about it and we got the green light, then we do it. But if we don't have the green light, we don't do it, no matter who says, unless it's Jesus. Because here this city seemed like the most ideal place to live. But the government controlled the Christians, or tried to, They said, we're going to shut you out of everything, and eventually you will comply, and many of them did. But you know what? These last few years, it's exactly what we saw. Can I tell you how disheartened I was from pastors that are supposed to be on the front lines wielding their sword? They were just afraid as everybody else. My Bible tells me the shepherd is supposed to be the one that chases the wolf away so the sheep are protected. We had to determine, we had to determine what course of action we're going to take. And I'm telling you, we weren't the only ones. Many of you had to face the same thing. You were disinvited to family dinner because you didn't get the vaccine or you didn't post the square or you're a homophobe because you disagree because the Bible said it. And I told people that would say that to me and call me a homophobe, I'm like, listen, I challenge people that are heterosexual, that are living together and aren't married. What does that make me? (laughs) Your argument doesn't hold water. And it's time us Christians started fighting back on the arguments. I love the fact that this particular letter, there's no, you need to get right. He's telling them you already are right and he's proud of them for what they are doing. But I just ask myself, how would I have done if I lived in Smyrna? Ask yourself this, how would you have done if you lived in Smyrna? Would you be willing to give up your job, any sort of income, not able to buy your groceries, buy your gas, have a car, What would you be willing to give up for the cause of Christ? Because these Christians gave everything up. And we think, oh, you know, that was just persecution from a long time ago. No, no, no. Let me take you, let me give you big picture. There are 400 Christians killed every month for their faith. Worldwide. This is stats from Gordon Cromwell and Open Doors. 214 churches or Christian properties are destroyed every month because of their faith. 772 kidnappings, rapes, or arrests are committed every month just for being a Christian. They estimate between 40 and 80 million Christians were martyred in the course of history. 
More than half of that number was in the 20th century. And the Bible that we so freely read, and many of us have them laying all over our house, well, William Tyndale was martyred. He was strangled for translating the Bible into English. The Hebrew and the Greek, he translated for us. He was martyred for that. We've got to understand with where the world is heading and where our government is heading, we've got to be prepared. I'm not trying to get you in fear today. I am trying to get you to look back and see how you've passed the tests because more tests are coming. And like a good teacher, I want you to be able to look back at your quizzes and your tests and know to get the answers right for the future because more is coming. How would you do if you were in Smyrna? I love when Jesus was very specific. He said 10 days. Now, when you go through the Bible and you read the number 10, you see the number 10 over and over. It's always a sign of testing. The 10 virgins with oil in their lamps, the 10 plagues, on and on and on. That's why the word tithe means 10th. It is not about your money. It's simply a test from God to see if you will do what's least. Christianity 101 is tithing. And Jesus is letting them know that a test is coming. But I want to say this to you. With all the love in my heart, if you struggle with tithing and you can't pass that test... When it's easy, I can promise you, you're not going to pass the test in the future because that is a low-level Christianity. The stuff they're talking about is when you can't eat, you have no clothes, you have nothing because you've been beaten because everything's been taken. We are living good right now in America, right now. We have inflation. We have costs that are getting higher. But most of us as Americans are pushing through. These people had no choice. If we can't do what's right when the persecution's not intense, when the real day comes, we're not going to make the right choice. That's why God puts tests in play, is to let us know how well we're doing. Not to condemn us. I love, there's a a young girl at our South End campus and she works for one of the big banks and there's so much pressure on everybody right now getting on these conference calls and, you know, what's your pronouns and what's this and why didn't you post if we want to get the market shares? You see, these big companies, they don't care about homosexuals. They don't care about black lives and they don't care about the women, okay? And you say, oh, no, they care about the women. No, 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 because then they'd be standing up for the men competing against the women in sports. They do not care about the women. They would be standing up saying, no, 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 only women can give birth. They're not backing us, so please don't think that they care about us. The the money that BLM raised did not go to the black neighborhoods that needed it. Those black neighborhoods are left worse off than before. Please, please do not tell me 
that they are doing this for our good. They are virtue signaling because they've read the reports coming out that if you don't appeal to all these people, you might lose your market share. It's about money. They do not care about you. You are a number. So this young girl gets called to HR. And they said to her, hey, we asked everybody to put their pronouns on their company signature when you send an email. We noticed that yours says child of God. We asked you to put how you identify. She said, that is how I identify. And then she looked at him and she said, do you have a problem with how I identify? And they were like, oh, no, no problem, no problem. You can identify however you want. You see, we've got to start pushing back, not complying. If you are a Christian and you've got your pronouns on your stuff, take it off. Take it off. Take it off your social media. Take it off your email signature. God already gave you one. You don't need to declare it to anybody else. Now, we are under light affliction compared to what's coming. Are we afraid to rock the boat now? Because if you're afraid now, there's much greater to come. Are you afraid to seem unkind? You better learn now because there's much more to come. Are you afraid to speak up? You better learn now because there's much more to come. This is a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. It's a test. That is why this all happened, so they could see who was going to comply and who wasn't. It's why they tried to shut down churches. Because churches are the only ones that have consistently spoken up through history, Christians, and said no when the enemy came in like a flood. So they want to shut down churches. Oh, we can open the ABC store. We can open up Home Depot, but the churches, you must say closed. That's why we said no. Churches in California... That's why it's important who is in office because there was a big fight here in North Carolina and we won and the churches stayed open. But in California, they went to jail over going to church. Their churches were raided. Do you guys understand? This is the United States of America. We have a first amendment and this still happened. But even if we didn't have a first amendment, we have the Bible, we have the word of God and it is where we get our truths from. We stick to it, no matter what. So culture will change things coming down the pipeline. You know, culture says you can be a boy or you can be a girl or you can be whatever. There's 56 genders you get to pick. No, no, no. The Bible says he made them male and female. Culture will tell you that two men can be married. No, no, no. Two men can't produce and God is all about fruit. He's a fruitful God. I don't care who tries to shove homosexuality in your face. It is not from God. Now, 
We love people that are homosexuals. But we call them higher, just like I would call you higher if you're living with somebody and you're not married. I'm going to have a chat with you. I'm going to call you higher. We don't leave people where they are simply because culture deems it okay. Do we understand that? So if we can't speak up now during light affliction, we won't be speaking up later. As a matter of fact, tolerance is not love. And truth is not hate speech. Did you see what just happened two days ago with PayPal? PayPal said, if we deem anything that you put across your platforms as misinformation, we're going to deduct $2,500 per instance from your PayPal account. Till everybody started speaking up and said, cancel, cancel, cancel. Then all of a sudden, the next day, oh, we don't know how that email got sent. <laughs> you guys have to understand, if we all stood up in the masses, this whole thing would turn around. But we're afraid of our livelihood. We're afraid of what people think of us. When we are more consumed with pleasing God than our, our jobs, when we are more consumed with pleasing God than whether, you know, Aunt Susie is upset with us, could you imagine the revival that would happen in our world? So, Pastor Penny, what's the solution? How, how do we deal with what's coming? How did the Smyrna church do it? How do we as a church? Here's the solution. Here's how we stand. Let's go back to Smyrna. The word Smyrna means bitter. Why was this city named bitter? Because this city was known, its greatest export was myrrh. And myrrh was this beautiful fragrance was used to anoint things, it was used to bury, it was used for perfumes and incense, the most incredible fragrance. But, but in order for you to get myrrh, it's a very bitter process. You have to repeatedly wound the trees and bleed them of their gum. Score them over and over and over and over and wound those trees till it will bring forth its sap, that gum. And after repeated wounding, they would go and they would collect that sap. And the interesting thing about that is the process was bitter, but on the other end was something beautiful and fragrant. And they would burn that incense. And the Bible says it's, that it's like our worship. It was this sm sweet-smelling aroma that would go to the nostrils of God. It was one of the things that was brought to Jesus by the wise men when he was born was myrrh. Because, you see, here he is, his body repeatedly wounded and broken, but something sweet comes from it. You see, the Christians in Smyrna were like that myrrh. They were being repeatedly wounded.
But in doing so, the bitterness that they went through produced something so incredibly beautiful, so incredibly aromatic. And one of the things we've got to learn is like this Smyrna church, that bitterness can begat beauty. Beauty can come from those bitter seasons that we walk through if we understand this. And here's the key. You can handle pain if you know it has a purpose. I endured pregnancy and three C-sections and all that came with it because I understood there was a purpose in the pain. My friend Melissa, who's here on the front row, she had a brain tumor removed, a large tumor. She went through surgery. Very difficult process. Cut open her entire head, pulled her entire face back. She had her head shaved. A long and grueling process. But she was willing to endure because she knew there was purpose in the pain. There was something on the other side of the pain. How do you and I walk through as we understand this life is not all there is. You can endure present pain when you know this life isn't all there is. When we focus on the future and we get off of our current circumstances... There were many times in parenting, and even some today, that are bitter, that are painful. But we've got to keep our eye on the prize. We've got to keep our eye on where God's taking things. We can endure the current pain when we understand there's more at stake. The naming of that city, Smyrna, was prophetic. It was a prophetic label the Christians had on them. In other words, don't focus on what's bitter in your life. Focus on the promise because the promise remains. We've got to look beyond the present. That's why Jesus said there's a crown of life that will be given to us. We've got to focus on that. And here's what I want you to understand. Things in our government are not going to get better. Read through the book of Revelation. They are not going to get better, but what we can do is we can learn to be better soldiers. We can learn to be fit for the call. As a matter of fact, when people try to to give me advice or speak to me about things, the first thing I do, I'm like, let me see your hand. Huh? Because if you don't have a calloused hand from serving the Lord, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. Not a calloused heart, a calloused hand. We've got to be about the Father's business. Because a government that is hostile towards Christians will make sure it isolates and penalizes you if you do not conform. Please understand that. I know many of you have seen it in your jobs. We had to write many of you religious exemptions or they wouldn't even let you back to work. That shouldn't even be a thing. The militaries had to sue. It's important who we put into office, you guys. I don't vote personality, because I, I would never vote if I did that. 
I think they're all narcissists. I vote platform. If you're going to kill babies, you will not get my vote. If you're going to take away my religious freedoms, you will not get my vote. If you're going to say men and men can get married, you will not get my vote. And don't tell me you're a Christian, you're a good Catholic, and you get up and you say, let's look at to what the palms have to say. Our president did that. Let's read out of palms right now. I'm like, dude, seriously? Unbelievable. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. That's what the word says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Jesus presented himself as the first and last. And he's giving us the opportunity to welcome him as that. Will you stand on your feet with me today? I want to talk to you about the pastor of Smyrna. His name's Polycarp. He was the pastor of Smyrna. He was the one that would get the letters and read them to the church. I know he was a good pastor because I look at the people in his church and how they were following despite every obstacle. Do you know when people come into our church from different churches, I always ask them where they're coming from because I know what pot they've been marinating. I know, oh, we're going to have to deal with them on arrogance. They're coming from XYZ Church. Oh, we're going to have to deal with them on, you know, being ultra-religious, legalistic because they came from XYZ Church. There's certain churches when people walk in that have been planted, and I'm like, oh, thank God, let's put you into leadership. You know about the people because you know their pastor. You know what they've been sitting under. You know the teaching they've been getting. You know what they've been marinating in. Pastor Polycarp was the leader of the Smyrna church. They asked him to bow down and worship Caesar and to renounce Christ. In 155 AD, he refused. And he said this, 80 and six years, I have served him, capital H. He's talking about Jesus. 80 and six years, I have served him. And in nothing hath he wronged me. And how then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Because he wouldn't bow to Caesar, the government. They put a pile of wood around his feet and tied him up and lit it on fire, burned him at the stake. And as the fire began to come up his legs, he was singing out praises and and worship. And he didn't stop declaring of Jesus. They thought by bringing everybody and making a mockery of him that it would cause people to be quiet. But they watched him in persecution, how he handled himself. That's not a light affliction. They burned him at the stake and because he began to sing and worship and praise the Lord, 
They said, we can't have him do this. People are following suit. So they stabbed him and they killed him right then and there. And every letter that Jesus wrote to the seven churches, he ends every single one with those that have ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit of God has to say. I would ask you that today. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What is the Spirit of God saying to you right here, right now in this moment? Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? In Romans 8, it says, Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks and they pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Listen, if this world is all there is, then persecution would be crushing. But it's not all there is. We are living for another world. And right here, in this moment, Jesus isn't asking you to die for him. Right here in this moment, he's asking you, would you live for him? With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you know, if that letter came to you, that it would say something different. Maybe you don't know Jesus and the letter would say, hey, I don't know you, but I'm standing at the door and knocking. Will you let me in? If you don't know Jesus and today you want to get to know Jesus, would you just lift your hand across the room or online? Just thank you for the hands. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. Just say, I want to get to know him. Those of you online, you can just put it there in the message chat and we can reach out to you. Maybe there's those in this room who would get that letter and that letter would say, hey, I noticed you hadn't been using your voice. Would you begin to use your voice? I need your voice right now. And you would say yes to that. That you will start using your voice and that is you. Would you just lift your hand up? Just lift it up right in your seat where you are. Could all of us just lift our hands together? Let's all just say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, we commit today to live our life for you. We understand that there's persecution, but we commit to stand strong. We love you. We will serve you all the days of our life. May we be found faithful and receive the crown of life in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I want you to look at me. It is so tempting on a message like this to feel heavy, 
to look at all the things that maybe we need to course correct or do right. I want you to be convicted to move to change, but I don't want you to sit in condemnation. I don't want you to feel heavy. I don't want you to beat yourself up. But what I do want as one of the shepherds of this flock is I want you to pass the test. I would not be a good teacher if I saw you getting things wrong and I left it where it was. I want you to pass the test. So when you leave here today, I don't want you leaving feeling heavy. I don't want you looking at maybe the X marks on your page or the score. What I want you to do is I want you to get a good tutor and I want you to study and show yourself approved because you're gonna get to retake the test, amen?